Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Would you like to learn about one of your most powerful tools and how to use it to command your destiny and to improve your life, love, and business? And would it surprise you to know that this tool is your voice? If you've ever had the desire to amplify the power of your voice to lead, persuade, and influence others, and to truly stand in your power, then you will love this episode. No one knows how to leverage voice better than Arthur Samuel Joseph. He's the founder and chairman of the Vocal Awareness Institute and is renowned as one of the world's foremost communication strategists and authorities on the human voice. Arthur has taught globally for over five decades, and he has trained actors, athletes, business leaders, broadcasters, politicians, and everyday people who seek to empower themselves. Amongst his more known clients are luminaries such as Tony Robbins, Angelina Jolie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Pierce Brosnan, Sean Connery, Magic Johnson, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, to name just a few. Arthur says that the greatest impact speakers have in any conversation comes not only from the words they say, but from the sound of their voices. That it's not just the message, but the messenger that matters. Arthur's mission is to change the world through voice, because when we own our voice, we own our power. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Arthur, welcome to the Superhumanized podcast. I am so pleased you're my guest today. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. What a joy to be here. Thank you for even the way you articulated that, expressed it with an awareness that most people don't have. So thank you. I'm looking forward to taking the journey with you today. You are most kind. And actually, I think I am so eager to learn more from you. You're an absolute master at what you do, what your mission has been for the over past five decades. And I think I may subconsciously do certain things a certain way that are good or quote bad, but I'm not consciously aware of them. So I'd love to learn more about these through the course of our conversation. And uh, something that I've heard you say, actually in a conversation with our dear common friend, Jennifer Hill, who introduced us, I'm very grateful to her, you said, our voice is us revealed. Please elaborate on this. First of all, I want to reference what you just said, consciously aware. Most people don't use this language. Most people speak about consciously or consciousness or awareness or aware. But in vocal awareness, we speak about my work, vocal awareness. We speak about conscious awareness. 
we have seven rituals in the work. And the sixth one is pay attention, deeper listening. We pay attention out here is my speaking voice, what I call the lowercase v. But simultaneously, we stay attuned interpersonally to the capital V voice, the one that is in concert with the deeper self and source, the conversation that we are the only ones privy to. And so conscious awareness is 360, intra, interpersonally. And your observation about voice, repeat the statement again, please. Yes, you said, and actually in an interview in a podcast you did with Jen, you said, our voice is us revealed. Yes. The root of the word intimate, intimus, is the Latin root word, means intrinsic or essential. The old saw that sociologists have laid upon us for the last six decades or so is that the greatest fear in society is public speaking. Completely bogus. If there are any sociologists out there sharing this podcast, sorry, but it's a misstatement. For the greatest fear are actually two fears. Fear of abandonment and ownership of my power. Claiming me and not being afraid of what you think about me while I'm being myself. Not presenting, but being myself. Three words, capital S, self. And so we're all wearing the emperor's new clothes out here. It's kind of scary. And you're fed all this misinformation throughout childhood, throughout our lives, part of the social conditioning. Oh, don't act like that. You sound arrogant. Oh, you shouldn't say that. What will people think? So if I say to you, vocal awareness is extraordinary work, can help you change your life in moments. Mm -hmm. Now that's stupid and arrogant, you might think. But if I say in response, vocal awareness is extraordinary. It can help you change your life in moments. That's not arrogant. It's my truth. So learning to reveal us in this way and claim ourselves without fear of what you think of me while I'm being me is the challenge and the opportunity. Mm. Am I addressing a little bit what you're saying, what you're asking? 100% Arthur. And I also think, I believe that this is the profound beauty of what you teach and what you just said resonates so deeply with me. I just in the recent years have rediscovered my voice for example, years ago, I would put a much higher pitch to my voice in order to sound less intimidating. I didn't do that consciously, but I now recognize that in retrospect. I also suppressed many of my thoughts, not expressing my voice at all. And I've realized through self-work I've been doing for quite a few years that amongst other, this stems from childhood where I was taught that if what I said was not pleasing to the other, if I would stir up anger or resentment or disappointment, then I would be, quote, the bad girl and therefore not deserving of love. So the fear of abandonment is real. And so many of us are dealing with that. For me, giving birth to this podcast a year and a half ago was actually a very big leap in putting my voice out there. And I think I've learned a lot about that, breaking through this fear of showing myself, revealing myself through my voice. You actually teach empowerment through voice. You've been teaching individuals for over five decades now. This is my 58th year. 
It's amazing. <laughs> that is so beautiful, Arthur. And what you have, uh, the way you describe it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to achieve mastery through communication. And you have helped many also well-known individuals excel at this. I just want to mention a few names because I'm sure they'll be interesting to the audience. Sean Connery, Pierce Brosnan, Tony Robbins. You've worked with top athletes and politicians and broadcasters. What would the first step be when somebody comes to you, no matter what they are doing in their life, but somebody who actually wants to become more vocally aware? What are usually the first steps you take them by the hand and walk with them? Let me see if I can respond to that in a couple of different ways. I've written five books and a bunch of other content. And my last book, Vocal Leadership, Seven Minutes a Day to Communication Mastery, has a forward by the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell. I met Roger many years ago after I was introduced to him by the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones. So I go into Roger's office. Jerry sets up the appointment, say it's Tuesday at 11 a.m., I believe. And I walk into the office at 345 Park Avenue in New York, and I begin talking about thanking source. I begin talking about love and let go. Oh, and let's do a Yonsai exercise. Ah, one of our basic warm-ups. I share this in this really simplistic way because I could have been a snack. I could have been out in 10 minutes. Who walks into the commissioner's office and speaks like this? Allow a conscious, loving breath. And part of the point is I'm not presenting the work. I'm embodying the work, capital W. There is no hierarchical relationships in vocal awareness. It doesn't matter if I'm training Angelino Jolie or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or I'm speaking with you, or having trained a great number of, unfortunately, Holocaust survivors. We all have one thing in common. We all have to breathe. We all have to communicate. And so part of the point of my sharing the story about Roger is that we didn't just spend 10 or 15 minutes and he checks the box, who was this guy? We spent two, two and a half hours. And on a Tuesday, when he certainly has a very full agenda, and a few years later, his name is on a forward on my book. Because we immediately begun to be begun a, a real relationship. Because I was being me, he may not have always empirically understood what I'm talking about, but he trusted the messenger. Or in vocal awareness, empowerment through voice, it's not just the message, it's the messenger. It's not simply what we say, but how we say it. So in the first lesson, for example, what I say to the gazillion athletes that I've had the privilege to teach, I say, someone taught you every single thing you did in your sport or do in your sport. Everything without the training, your talent is wasted. But I say in response, who teaches us to be ourselves? Mm. We don't realize how much work it takes to be ourselves while others watch. So in the first lesson, we begin as they did with Roger. May I play with you a little bit, Ariane? Please, absolutely, Arthur. Go ahead. As we go forward in our conversation, even as you're gathering a thought, please do your best to maintain eye contact. And because our social contract is, as long as I am speaking, and as I said to you before we got on the air, I rarely come up for air, so you're looking at me a whole long time. <laughs> 
But the moment we begin to respond, we look away to gather a thought, whatever else. These are subtle habitual habits, abandoning self in a very subtle way. Tony used to refer to my seven rituals as pattern interrupts. He would say to create a new pattern, we have to exaggerate behavior to, to establish a new one. So we begin in our first lesson with these kinds of observations because my responsibility is not to you or to whomever I'm teaching in the moment, but as I understand it, to God and the work, the capital W work. So one of the fundamental themes is surrender, serve, and soar. The root of the word surrender meaning to yield or to give back, to be in service to our vision, our calling. Surrender to that, we focus and we serve, and then conversely we soar. People aren't afraid of failure. We're afraid of claiming our greatness. It's scary. Isn't that so bizarre? But that's the truth for most of us. I've only met a couple of people in my entire life who nothing will stop them. It's nothing. I explain in the first lesson that this is a very hubristic work, but not an arrogant one. I'm a classical singer by training, as I've shared. I have a master's in voice. And I don't know one great artist on that stage or one great athlete in competition who in the moment of performance or competition is not totally hubristic, but not arrogantly so. It's trained into them because this is how they do their work. But we don't learn that in the rest of our lives. There's an off switch. They leave the stage, they leave the field, the court, whatever, and one is no longer in mastery. Only in their skill sets are they in mastery. In our work, there is no off switch. Because mm. this work is not merely about what we do, Ariane, but who we are. Mm. And so we begin by putting ourselves in stature. First, I ask you to sit up straight. Sit at attention, please. I am doing it. For those who are not watching the video, I'm now sitting straight. And you are now holding your breath, which uh, is what happens when we present. So now I'm going to ask you to take your left or right hand, and please, whoever out there, join me. And we slowly, from our, with our left or right hand, from three inches below our navel, which is where core begins, we slowly, creatively, artistically, graciously pull this golden thread right up to the middle of my crown chakra, pulling from our lateral obliques, not from our neck and shoulders, and right up here and getting tall, taller, fully extending our arm. Don't tighten neck shoulders. Taller. That's better. Arm down and stay there, please. And now you notice the first thing your body just did before you even moved was inhale. Yes, I did take a nice, soft inhale. And your chest is more open. Your core is more engaged. So now I ask you within yourself to do the same thing again with your hand pulling, but this time include our first ritual along with it, which is to say thank you. Thank you to God, source, the goddess, self, something outside your corporeal form to acknowledge that you surrender to. So we're going to do it again and feel that thank you at the same time. Taller. Next, fully extend. Next, shoulders. Arm down. And that time it even caused you to close your eyes for a moment. It did, yes. 
the space became even quieter, even a bit more intimate, mm -hmm. intrinsic or essential to be us. Mm -hmm. So we're creating a space that makes it safer for us to venture out. Yes. I also felt a sense of joy. Yes. Just being in the moment and being myself. And that was really wonderful. And thank you for maintaining eye contact as you said that. What a lovely smile. I hope everybody can watch. This is great. So then we may I have you stand and sit two different times for a moment. Would that be acceptable? Absolutely, yes. So please stand in place. And now just sit down and relax. Forget all this stature schmatcher nonsense and just kick back and relax, Ariane. <laughs> and notice how you feel. And notice how the room feels. Tell me when you've got it factored in, please. My belly, everything is really expanded. The room feels comfortable. And notice your pitch is a little higher. Uh-huh. Now stand in place again. I don't really want you relaxing at all. Instead, I want you to turn off your left brain and don't try to figure this out. Just hear the words. Don't think about whom or what. Just feel what it might be like, Ariane, to simply love and let go. Simply love and let go. And when you choose to, sit down. That time before you even moved, you inhaled. Did you notice? Yeah. How does this feel compared to relaxing? It feels softer, more expansive, and... Uh, not like a crumpling into myself like the last time. And notice, please. I'm staying centered. Yes. And notice your pitch and energy is stronger and deeper. Yes, I do. So when we relax, just relax. Again. <laughs> and you held your breath. Uh-huh. Yes, I did. Sit again. Now just sitting in place. Just hear the words love and let go. And the first thing the body just did was inhale. Yes, I inhaled and I also felt a sense of opening up through my shoulders. Yes. Every single thing in vocal awareness is physiologically connected or I'm blowing smoke. Feel these subtle connections? I do. And so I put you in stature. We thank source. We love and let go. And the body's first impulse is to say, is to breathe. Yes. It's the body's way of saying, thank you for giving me permission to be me. I breathe to acknowledge this. The root of the word spirit, spiritus, means what in Latin? It means to breathe. Inspirare, to breathe into. I don't want to motivate people. I don't want anybody to motivate anybody. I want us to be inspired. Mm -hmm. To breathe into, inspirare. The Hebrew word neshama means both soul and breath. So you see, a breath isn't only physical, it's also spiritual and emotional. Yes, indeed. The breath of life. I didn't hear you allow a breath before you say it. Oh, I can hear you. That's just my <laughs> stupid way of saying, let's mm -hmm. get into the work. I'm going to help you for a sec, if I may. Yes, please. Okay. Remember the phrase, the breath of life. Just say it again, please. The breath of life. Okay, now, sitting without pulling the thread with your hand, keep feeling that golden thread tether you, pulling taller and taller. I want you about a foot taller, please, Aria. Yes. 
So you see what just happened with your core? Yes. Yeah. And now we're not going to take a breath this time. Instead, we're going to allow a slow, silent, loving breath. It's called a CLB. The acronym stands for Conscious Loving Breath. I'm going to guide it. It will take five to seven seconds. We're not going to take, Ariane. We're merely going to allow. You ready? Yes. Eyes on my face, please. Deeper. That's really excellent. Keep inhaling deeper, deeper, deeper. And notice what happens about here. How it goes all the rest of the way volitionally. Now we're going to do that again, and you're going to make that statement again, that sentence. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Feeling that golden thread. Thanking source. And three, deeper, loving, deeper. And the apex, the sentence. The breath of life. Any difference? It felt more real. Tell me that again and see a period after the word real and underline that last word real. Three, two. It felt more real. You didn't see the period. I saw the underline. You're just testing to see if I'm really paying attention, I know. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready. Ready. See a big black full stop. Three, two, deeper, deeper. It felt more real. Write that sentence down, please. Let me grab something to write. All right. Okay. And underline the last word and circle the period at the end. And I want the last word to look like this over the R. Ah, okay. Now, please read that and underline the F and please read and put a CLB in front of that sentence. CLB. Put it in front of the sentence. And at the top of that sentence, put an S for stature and a TG or TS for thank God or source. And when you're ready, hold that paper up at eye level, please. Eye level. And Safe and read it when you're ready. In three, deeper, deeper. It felt more real. Feel the difference? Much more power behind the words. And now here's my version. It felt more real. Ah. Your turn. Mm -hmm. It felt more real. Yes. Do you feel that? Yes. I got a chill from that. Thank you. <laughs> this is a little tip about a, one of the trademarked aspects of Oakland Winches, which is enormously empowering, called visceral language. Uh -huh. I'm a classical singer. I look at me, I'm a singer. I look at music and it tells me everything to do. We just have words in our mind's eye or we have words on a page. They don't tell us anything to do. Mm. So visceral language makes voice visual. Yes. I really felt this had a great impact on me to see it written out. And with the... Tell me that again and see the period after the word out. <laughs> I see really... it. Mm -hmm. To see it. Just pick it up there. To see it made a real difference. To see it written out. No, see a period after the word out. Please remind me of the sentence I'm going to say. To see it written out. Ah, yes. Okay. To see it written out. 
Yes. See, when we see that period and we underline this word, the inflection goes down. So mm -hmm. I sound more definitive, more mm -hmm. authentic, more authoritative. And then after that period, I then inhale. And now I've got melody in my voice. I'm not just screaming data, but I'm beginning to communicate very differently. Mm -hmm. So the axiom in vocal awareness around this is every time I stop, and I'm demonstrating it, I underline the last word. That accent mark is called a downbeat. That accent, as in the name, Jose. The accent on the E, we stress the name. A downbeat is the first beat in a measure that gets the greatest pulse, such as in a waltz. One, two, three, one, two, three. So downbeats go on certain syllables, on certain letters. Hear me demonstrating it? On certain syllables, on the S, on certain mm -hmm. letters, on the L. So every time I stop, I see a period. It doesn't matter whether it's a complete thought or not. As long as I stop, I see a period, underlying downbeat, and then I allow the breath to drop in again. New thought, dot, 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 it just goes on ad infinitum. This is what you also call the underlying technique for putting presence in your voice. You had it until you threw the end away. Ha. Ah. <laughs> so this is what you call the underlying. Tell me again with a conscious loving breath, please. The third of our seven rituals. This is what you call the underlining technique for putting presence in your voice. See, that was exquisite, <laughs> man. Didn't that feel wonderful? It does. It really, truly does. And this is empowerment. Yes. I cannot empower you. All the years I used to teach Tony, I said, we cannot empower people. That's mm. arrogant. Mm. But we can help them empower themselves. That's what you're experiencing right now. I teach in this moment that every single thing in life, Ariane, revolves around only two things, to choose to do something. Or to choose not to. Never matters how scary, how seemingly daunting. All that matters is how badly I want it. Even in abdication, I make a choice by walking away. But all I care about is, does that choice empower me or disempower me? So here, I'm truly impressed. Whomever is tuning in to do what you just did is very complex. Vocal awareness is what I call the KISS approach. Keep it simple, sweetheart. We make it complicated, but it is a complex work. You just, however, transcended it all by allowing me to teach you. You tuned into your seventh, your sixth ritual, deeper listening, paid attention, and you executed that statement impeccably. And I've known you for like 12 seconds. This choice concept is critically important because now that you have a, glim a glimpse of what's really possible, when we start speaking this other unconscious way and we notice, we simply stop, allow a conscious loving breath, allow a conscious loving breath. I stumbled on the bee. I didn't want to stumble on the bee. So I just, I don't want to see on all that. So I simply stop and, and I simply stop and start over. Now I just corrected myself 47 times. But you didn't think once, why is this man repeating himself? Did he have radishes for breakfast? No. All you 
take into account that this is Arthur's communication. It doesn't even register that I'm correcting myself so many times. But this is my attunement. And Arthur, you're most kind. Thank you for saying all these lovely things about... Do you see my head shaking? <laughs> because you left the CLB out, my friend. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Arthur, you're most Almost, kind. almost. Five seconds. Yes. Arthur, you're most kind. <laughs> Doesn't that feel <laughs> fundamentally different? <laughs> It does. <laughs> we don't know that. Yeah. So we don't settle. Yes. I think a really important part of this is also listening. I learned a lot just by listening to you, listening to what you say, and also listening to your voice, listening to how you say it. And you actually put a huge emphasis also on listening. Can you elaborate and share with us how listening brings forth the best in us, but also in the others who we engage in conversation with? What a wonderful question. Did you notice also as you were delivering that, you were actually listening to yourself? I was, yes. You were tuned in because I've given you some tips, and this is really what it's about. Now you're more in charge. We're not just streaming data. In all verbal communication, one of the longtime statistics that I believe bears some, has some truth in it is that in all verbal communication, only 8% is language-based. Only 8% of everything we talk about every day is retained by the listener's unconscious mind through the words themselves. 92% is conveyed through the sound of the voice and body language. If I say to you, what a sincere pleasure it is talking with you today, Ariane, versus what a sincere pleasure it is talking with you today, Ariane. The first one was disingenuous. The second time I used my eyes. And it literally changes the sound of my voice. The mouth is where the words come from, but the eyes tell the story. So I'm always attuned to what I call my body's broadcast system. Yes. And then I use visceral language. I literally, Ariane, not figuratively, I literally see every single thing I say on the virtual computer screen in my mind's eye right here. I can't tune it out. After all these years, it simply is how I communicate. Years ago, I had the privilege of meeting Fred Astaire, who up at his home a couple of times when I went up to teach his wife, who was actually the first female jockey. And to watch this octogenarian shuffle around the house in bedroom slippers was so sensual for me personally. And it reminded me that Fred Astaire was only a dancer when he danced. His body was an instrument. Walking in the room, he carried himself differently. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of meeting the, no, the late Elie Wiesel, Holocaust survivor, Nobel laureate, a profound human being. I visited with him backstage after a lecture at the 92nd Street Y in New York. He was a close friend of one of my clients at the time. And shaking his hand and talking with him, I began to sob. Not because I'm meeting this august human being, but because the sound of his voice went in my heart and knocked me out. Mm. Being in an audience with the Dalai Lama, same thing. It's not because I'm meeting this wonderful human being in a saffron robe and shaved head. It's because the integrity of his voice 
was in concert with his teachings. Several years ago, I was teaching a weekend seminar at Naropa University in Boulder. And our eldest son told me I should go see a man named Rabbi Zalman Schachter, whom I'd never heard of at the time, to be honest. And so he said, you should know Reb Zalman. And so I called the university. They gave me his number. And I called him. And he called me back one night, about like a Wednesday or a Thursday, about 10 o'clock Mountain Time. I go to bed quite early because I'm up at 3 or 3.30 for prayer and meditation. And I have literally not missed a day in 55 or 56 years, as I've shared. But he proceeded to talk with me for 10 or 15 minutes like he was actually interested, but concluded by saying, good luck, but I don't have time. Mm-hmm. So I walk out Friday night and his wife's in the front row. Saturday night, I'm at his home for dinner. And it's the rabbi, his bride, his mother-in-law, and me. But before dinner, the rabbi invites me into his study to study me. And I said, Rebbe, this is inappropriate. I'm here to sit at your feet. But he said, I know of your work, and I'm studying your vibration. Mm. He said, evil is so entrenched in the universe, it cannot be confronted head on but only in the vibratory. Voice is vibration, it's energy. This whole system within this amazing brain of ours, this myoelastic neuroplasticity, we know these studies. So through this work, we literally create new neural pathways. But our work is not just fancy push-ups. These are not calisthenics. This is art. This is bar work. What is that dancer doing on the bar? All they're doing is stretching, but they're doing it elegantly because they're about to express themselves in art. So when we put ourselves in stature, we thank source, we do this work. We don't do it perfunctorily like another set of curls. We do it mindfully, mm-hmm. thoughtfully, integrally. Integrity, integration, the same root source means wholeness. So. Please ask me that question again. I know I'm in the ballpark of it, but I went so far afield, I want to come back to it. Absolutely. So my question was, how does listening bring out the best in ourselves and also in those who we were engaged in conversation with? How did you do that again? That was very cool. Thank you. Because I live in the sixth ritual, and I want us all to live in the sixth ritual. In this latest book, Focal Leadership, At the back of the book, I have an acrostic on leadership. An acrostic is often written vertically, and it's where each letter of the word represents an interpretation of that word. The L stands for leading by example. The E, empowering. Empowerment, energy, and one of my favorite words, ennobling. Mm -hmm. When I hold the space for myself, I become a mirror for others and ennoble them and help them discover they have the same possibility. My commitment is never to make anyone into someone they're not, but to help them bring out what's possible. So living in our deeper listening, creating our persona statement, the root of the word persona and the Etruscan root word, I'm sure that was on your list. 
Persu is the root of that word. P-H-E-R-S-U literally means through the sound. One's identity is largely conveyed through the sound of a voice and an opinion created instantaneously. So if I talk with you like this, you got one opinion. If I've got another, if I talk with you like this, or I talk with you in some therapeutic voice like this, you have others. So in our work, the persona statement is first and foremost as well, along with these other rituals. So we answer four questions. One, or there are four parts to it. One, we answer two questions. One, how do I believe I am presently perceived? Two, how would I ideally like to be known? Oh, again, we have a choice. I didn't know that. Most because I, of course not. And then they're accompanied by drawings, stick figures, collages, paint. I don't care what it is, but one that re- represents the first image and one that represents the second. Because we think we come of age, and this is us, but it ain't us at all. As I said, as I say to that athlete, who teaches us to be ourselves? No one. So now we create to vocal awareness opportunity to claim our power, to teach ourselves. But we are not our behaviors. This is how we've behaved. None of us got to any stage in our journeys unscathed. This is not for the faint of heart. So we begin with stature, we begin with source, we begin with loving and letting go, we begin with CLB, because this gets us centered and grounded in the integrity of who we truly are capable of being inside, and it makes it safer for us. Things do go bump in the night. So I don't want to just go cavalierly barging in. We must create safe harbor. And the safe harbor we create first is within ourselves. And Tell me that again, please, dear, so that our audience can observe some of the things that you already know about. You. And the safe harbor we create first? Almost. May I help? Yes, please. Just, I'm not even going to demonstrate it. Our <laughs> conscious loving breath is five to seven seconds. Mm-hmm. Don't rush it. Don't take it. Allow it. And the safe Have harbor? Three seconds. You're a fast counter. <laughs> okay. Five to seven. But doesn't that feel <laughs> fundamentally different? It does. My belly is getting very full. <laughs> but energetically, doesn't it bring a tingle, a warmth, a, yes. a commanding sense within yourself? Yes, it does. It opens up the chest. I'm taking up more space. I'm not making myself small. And within that space, I comfortably speak. That's yes. what so do it again, I want, because I want your audience to feel your energy, your vibration, the resonance and the power of your voice. The safe space we create first, the safe harbor is within ourselves. And from there, we extend it to others. Underline others. We extend. And from there, we extend it to others. Feel the difference? I do. Did you get it still? Because I certainly did. <laughs> Again, this is through the internet. Vibration, magic. It connects. Who knew? 100%. And what you just said before is also so profound that we have a choice in how we want to be known. So I would like to talk about that a little further. Let's say you're someone within your circle, your families, you've been known in a certain way. 
Or let's say you're a celebrity and you've been known in the media in a very specific way. So whatever situation in life you're in, somebody like that comes to you. Somebody wants to be known in a different way. How do you start? The way I've just begun. Uh huh. Never changes. Or there's commission on, I go barging in. Or what we're doing today, this is a first lesson. Mm -hmm. I also ask, what is their vision? Yes. When I first met one of my favorite students and dear friend, Dwayne Wade, who is one of the recently identified as one of the top 75 basketball players of all time in the NBA, remarkable human being. In his first lesson, he came to me two and a half years ago by saying he went to his agent when he retired, said, I want to meet somebody who can do for me in the rest of my life that I met when I began my basketball career. And Dwayne likes, he's a tremendous learner. He's a highly integral man. And I share it because it was all out there. Here's this very well-known, very powerful public figure with millions of followers. But now how does he transcend simply having been a great athlete? He's no longer a basketball player. He's a former basketball player. And so we, what is this vision? What is this persona? And the journey began. On my website, I'd love people, if anybody chooses to look at it, his retirement speech from the Miami Heat is up there. It's 18 minutes, February 22nd, 2020, just before it all shut down. I only know in Dwayne at that point about four and a half to five months. Dwayne comes on the south side of Chicago, a fundamentally different language base. Being a, an athlete, a fundamentally different communication style for all those years. Just before Dwayne walks out, we're in the green room on the mirror in the bathroom doing our exercises. Ah, doing our rituals. Every element of that speech was annotated in visceral language on the teleprompter. It was the very first time Dwayne ever read prepared remarks ever read a teleprompter, if the structure of the work was not there, you would have seen everything else, the white noise of being a human being. He's astonishing. And this is a wonderful example of my not making Dwayne into somebody he's not, but everything is very different in this. The resonance of voice, his vocal quality, his delivery, everything. While at the same time, it is incredibly authentic, very genuine. We fast forward nine months. He's hosting an internationally famous game show called The Cube, which has been a big hit in the UK for about a dozen years. Now we just did the second season this past April, I think it was, which starts airing this fall. And a few weeks ago from this particular broadcast, he hosts, he hosted one of the last couple of episodes of Ellen. He'd never done it in his life but you will never know this. And backstage before walking out, we're engaging his mastery moment, which is what I ask all of us to do before a meeting, a call, where stature, source, they're talking with him, the producers and everybody. I'm right with him. 
He's in, got his eyes closed. He's engaging his conscious, loving breath. Stature is there. His intention of what he wants to accomplish when they open the curtain and walks out. And all he's doing in full conscious awareness. Full conscious awareness. So am I answering your question? Yes, you are. This is an excellent example, Arthur. I love this example because you're talking to us about a person who came from a background much different, much, much different from where he then progressed and transformed to and who he became now. What a blessing for him to have you as a coach. I was just imagining in my mind's eye to be in a situation that is potentially high stress, like being backstage before the curtain opens and you have to go out there and be present and show the world your face, reveal your voice. And I was just feeling so comforted by the idea that you are with me in my mind's eye. I had this and that was just wonderful. You are such a master at your art, which you also demonstrated with the techniques you generously shared with us and have had me walk, talk through, actually. And there's something I would like to learn from you. Now, we can grasp in our minds that we all want to be loved. We all want to be liked. And we can grasp that that's not necessarily what we're here to do, and it will inhibit our full potential. So one thing is grasping that. How can we internalize that? Are there certain exercises that can help us loosen up, get out of this web of, I want to be liked, I don't want to be alone? Yes. And as we near the end of our time today, I first want to say thank you for this very, very rich conversation. I hope that I did not overstay my welcome by speaking too long, but You really allow me to teach with a capital T. And to answer this really important question, my rituals were fully concretized in my early 20s. I began teaching at 18. And my most difficult ritual for decades of my life was my second one, love and let go. Because it requires self-love. A number of years ago, decades ago, a thought came to me one day. Obviously, it had come from source, and it said, Go to the mirror and say, I love you. What are you talking about? I no more could believe that or want to say that than the pigs can fly. But I did it anyway. And I did it again and again because I was told to. And one day I woke up and actually believed it. More time passed and I'd actually become it. Loving and letting go is about self-love. With a capital S. It's poignant. It's challenging for some, for most, but critically important. Because I'm not here, we're not here to present. That artist on stage, certainly the ego mind wants to cross the footlights and say, love me, stroke me. But if we do, we're cheating the art. There are communication courses that say, bond with that person. But what if that other person has a different point of view? I can't serve you both. Speak to the last row of the house. What a bunch of nonsense. When I do that, I presenting, I go too fast, I raise my, raise my pitch, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. This is empowerment through voice. Mm-hmm. I am fully engaged within my deeper self, which then allows me more space to be fully engaged within you. Because I'm not stuck in my ego mind. I'm not being territorial. 
I'm not afraid to embody all that is possible. But I'm 76 years old. I've been doing this a long time. That being said, we can all achieve this. I work, one of my students who began studying with me about a decade ago, in one of our lessons several years ago, I was asking her, paraphrasing, what do you want to be when you grow up? She's now 50 this month. And what emerged was a wonderful program called Work Wonder, which is under her banner, the Bayer Group. Her name is June Bayer. She's a remarkable woman. Where for the last few years now, and we're launching the new program next week, I'm teaching hundreds of rising high school seniors in upper, lower, middle economic school districts. Focal awareness at 17. Hmm. Learning to own their origin story learning to communicate in this consciously aware way so that as they take on this work, I'm meeting with half a dozen of the co-designers, as they're called, tomorrow, because they're going to be co-facilitating these deep dive classes with me. I'll teach one day. They will actually teach another. Because for the last two plus years, they've been learning vocal awareness and are fully committed because now they just finished their freshman year in college and they want to carry this work forward. So I end with this because they are learning self-love. They are learning to claim their power. They're learning to be who they are mm. without flinching. And that's all I wish for all of us. I end all my seminars, if I may, with a quote that came to me decades ago when I was reading Quest magazine. Thought came to me and it wouldn't go away until it made me get up and write it down. And the only paper I had was the magazine, which is framed on my studio wall today. It said, voice is the only artistic experience which is both finite and infinite at the same time. It is fallible and fragile, gone in an instant, unseen, only felt. Remembered from the past, even a long moment ago. Anticipated, sensing its future, even as its present is just occurring. It's temporal, visceral, organic. Such a complex, simple, and beguiling transcendent state. That's what came through one night. And if you substitute other words for the word voice. Life is the only artistic experience, which is both finite and infinite at the same time. Or love, it is fallible and fragile, gone in an instant, unseen, only felt. This is the paradigm of this work, the paradigm of our life, the great life, love, source, in every breath, in every sound we make, embodying full conscious awareness at all times, to the best of our ability. How beautiful, dear Arthur. It is such a privilege to have been able to learn from you today. And those in the audience who would like to learn more, where can they reach you? My website, vocalawareness.com. They can send emails there and my team forwards them to me. Also, our dear friend Jennifer, I believe, forwarded something about a program, a one-of-its-kind program we launched next Tuesday, the 28th of June. For seven weeks, 
on mastery. And we have created a discount price that is only available now and only available through your through this offering here with you. And I know you can put it up on your dashboard and share it with people. And you're a really remarkable woman. And it's been such a joy to be with you. Thank you for your kindness and your generosity, Arthur. You really move me and I have learned so much. And I really look forward to learning more in the future from you. Your mission is life altering. And I feel the more we are comfortable revealing ourselves to others through our voice, through being who we truly are, the better we can serve the world. So thank you for everything you do, Arthur. God bless you, my friend. Have a lovely day. Thank you, too. As a very special treat for us today, Arthur Joseph is offering us 20% off one of his latest programs. It's a program he developed with my beautiful friend, Jennifer Hill, and it's called Achieve, Reclaim, and Command Your Destiny. And if you'd like to learn how to enhance your leadership communication and presentation skills, if you want to learn how to accelerate the trajectory of your personal and professional life, and how to speak with your true, powerful, and authentic voice, then I highly recommend you check it out. You can find this program on Arthur's website, and it's under vocalawareness.com slash forward yes, and you will get the 20% off with the code intro 20. I'll also put this in the show notes, and if you feel called to look at this and to learn about this magnificent gift that is our voice and how to use it as the powerful tool it can be, then yeah, go ahead and check it out and use the code INTRO20 for 20% off. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. 